see more innovation in packaging and processing at Pack Expo International than anywhere else in the world. It's the show that defines where the industry is headed, with the solutions that define where your business can go. Discover cutting-edge packaging technology, processing equipment, new materials, sustainable solutions, supply chain resources, and much, much more. You'll walk away with innovative solutions to challenges big and small. Register at PackExpoInternational.com. You're listening to Unpacked with PMMI, where we share the latest packaging and processing industry insights, research, and innovations to help you advance your business. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Unpacked with PMMI. I'm your host, Sean Riley. Stephanie Neal, today's guest, is no stranger to the podcast, taking the microphone a couple of times and hosting interviews with PPWLN speakers at recent PAC Expos in Las Vegas, Chicago, and Philadelphia. Today, she moves to the other side of the table, though, as her and I discuss her role as editor-in-chief of OEM, the official publication of PMMI. Stephanie gives us a sense on the overall feeling among OEMs during the pandemic and what OEMs can do to push through and even get ahead during an economic recession. Her background as a longtime contributor to Automation World also helps her identify control systems and technologies impacting today's machine builders. All right. Well, with all those fancy introductions out of the way, welcome to the podcast, Steph. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be here. This is, uh, I guess, your first time on the other side. You've, you've sat in for us a couple times and interviewed, I guess, after some PPWLN events. Mm-hmm. So I guess I will ask you um, some things, just kind of what's been happening. I work sort of at the midpoint of the year. It's been some kind of year, I guess. Uh-huh. So I guess just, just what's your overall sense of kind of the feeling in the, the OEM community with everything going on, obviously with COVID and how that's affected, you know, the economy and things of that nature, I guess it's the pulse of what's happening right now. Yeah, well, if I had to sort of take the temperature of the OEM community, um, I would say it's, it's tepid, but you know, it's... Yeah. Um, I'm really, really impressed with the OEM community. You know, we have been hearing stories of, you know, manufacturers that have had to turn on a dime and change production because of things that are happening with COVID-19 and they're now like doing PPE or instead of making vodka, they're making sanitizer, all this stuff that's happening on the front lines. But the OEMs too are stepping up to the plate in times of crisis and they're behind the scenes. So when their customers have to do something different, so do the machine builders, they have to support them. So they're crucial employees as well. Um, and, and they're, you know, doing their part to make sure that everybody is getting the toilet paper that they need and the sanitizer that they need. And we don't really hear those stories. So I just want to, you know, shout out to the whole OEM community and thank them. Um, and the other thing that I'm really impressed with is 
I know that they're super focused on their employees um, their, and their health and their safety, because again, they're critical workers and they have to come to work. I know when this all started to play out here in Massachusetts and our governor was telling us we needed to go into quarantine, I had one local OEM call me up and say, I'm not quite sure what to do here. I don't know what the rules are, but my people have to go to the facility to you know, support our customers. What am I supposed to do? And that's where PMMI has been a tremendous resource to the OEM community. So I applaud the association for everything that they're doing. So they're, and, and again, the OEMs are, are super thankful as well. That's what I'm hearing. The other thing that you mentioned is the economy. And in our spring issue of OEM Magazine, Natalie Craig wrote a story about the recession. The experts are projecting a recession in 2022. Well, that was before the coronavirus, right? So here we are, and um, we're not really quite sure what's going to happen. But there's good news, because in that story, uh, you know, typically companies in a recession will scale back, and they'll... Uh, lay people off. Well, the advice here is don't do that. Don't lay people off because first and foremost, we have a skills shortage and a workforce crisis as is in this industry. So don't be laying off anybody because when this all turns around, you're going to need those people. Secondly, this is a time to regroup and reinvest in your organization and the products and the technology. So the message being, uh, maybe take a look around. Is there a potential for a merger for a new product line? And take this time to invest in the technology that's going to be useful now and in the future. I mean, Sean, you know, we keep talking about remote access. That is the, the big deal right now. Well, there's so much confusion around it. Now is the time for the... OEMs to start doing that research, right. partnering with technology providers, educating um, their their customers, and start building sort of a business around some new technology that they can introduce when we come out of this economic crisis. That yeah, it, it's it's interesting with the remote monitoring because we from the very beginning when we had to kind of pivot and started doing these podcasts talking to people around how they were adapting to COVID and stuff like that. The remote access, the remote monitoring, all that stuff kind of popped up as a silver lining. We hate to say a silver lining during a pandemic, but that's kind of the silver lining. It's always been, and you could probably speak to this better than me, but it's always been something that it seems like um, companies were hesitant to use, like they were afraid to give up access, even though they had no problem kind of banking online or doing stuff like that online. But for some reason, there was always that hesitancy. Could you Mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit? Like, has that wall kind of come down out of necessity? Or do you still see that a little bit? Or what's the what's the story there? Yeah, well, I think COVID-19 has been a catalyst to uh, remote access technology. And you're you're 100% correct. People are so hesitant to adopt it. And it has to do with security. Because You know, if so, if you get a virus on your corporate computer and your email goes down or you start sending these wacky emails out, nobody really cares. (laughs) It's not really hurting anything in the grand scheme of things. If if some malware gets into your uh, machine and it shuts down, well, now you've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars of 
productivity. So there's been that feeling where we just need to, we need to have control of it ourselves. We can't open up our firewalls or our, our walls of our factory floor to let anybody through. But to your point, we're doing it banking all the time. Like I'm constantly shifting money between this and that, and it's all on my phone. And all I need is for somebody to steal my phone and they have access to my bank account, but I don't like give that any thought. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, that there are some really secure technologies in the banking industry and those technologies are being adopted in the industrial industry as well. So I think we're finally opening our eyes out of necessity to the fact that this stuff works and it's secure and we need to adopt it because we need to be more agile and we need to think about how we're going to rethink our business moving forward. How about with, um, I, I know, again, the recession kind of came early as a result of everything else that was going on. But have you seen um, OEMs that have kind of had to shift to different products, not in a PPE standpoint, but because, you know, restaurants aren't open. So now foods are, instead of going into food service, they're coming into, you know, different sort of packaging. Have you seen any of that? They definitely are shifting the way that they're doing business they're rethinking the way they're doing business. Um, and, and that's kind of a major message that I do want to, to talk about, you know, today in terms of how OEMs have to rethink the way that they work. I, I think, you know, from a technology standpoint, beyond remote access and, and looking at those things, we need to start looking at how OEMs can be more service providers, that might mean new partnerships with technology suppliers. Maybe they need to start thinking about being more system integrators. I'm hearing over and over and over again, because, you know, I, I also report for Automation World. And there's so many control technologies out there now that are absolutely uh, taking advantage of edge computing, taking advantage of the cloud, taking advantage of uh, virtualization. And they're offering like manufacturing software that allows for maintenance as a service for your equipment or analytics as a service. And, you know, we've reported on machine as a service, you know, instead of that huge capital outlay, why don't you just rent your machine or lease your machine? And there's new ways to do that. So with this new technology, there needs to be, you need to rethink your business. There needs to be a new OEM mindset. That's interesting because for years you hear about partnerships and it, you need to partnership with the OEMs and the CPGs. So so. Basically, what you're saying is even taking that partnership almost a step further where you're not just a person that you're buying a machine from. And then, you know, I'll talk to you in 10 years or 20 years, or if something goes wrong, I'll come and fix it. You're saying like an established relationship where we can offer you these controls and these PLCs and the software type things as your needs grow and as your needs evolve or become different, these are things that we can help you with alongside the CPGs versus just a, a one-time transaction. Absolutely. Like machine builders need to become like the Tesla of the OEM community. Like it's not just buying a piece of equipment anymore. It's a multi-touch experience and that's the way they have to think. And in order to do that, they can't do it on their own. They have to partner closer with their, you know, control system supplier and maybe they're getting services from them, which then they sort of, you know, have services that they, they can roll up for their customer. So 
I, you know, I've been covering this space for a long time, mostly from the control supply area and end user manufacturers. And I got to tell you, like the OEMs are becoming more crucial in the whole sort of supply chain of technology and services. And the industry as a whole is waking up to that. So I, I think that machine builders understand that. And, and now it's just a matter of strategically how to implement it going forward. Very interesting. Because um, yes, like you touched on it, how you've kind of come from that automation world background, which is kind of heavy on the industrial side, but you're bringing a knowledge of what I guess you can see some of those things start to emerge with OEMs on a, I'm saying smaller scale, just because they're smaller machines versus these huge industrial operations. Yeah, but to that point, I think machine builders need to broaden their scope beyond the machine and look at it as a holistic system. They're on a line and they need to not just be responsible for their machine, but guess what? That machine that's networked and connected to them, that's down at the end of the line. If that goes down, that messes them up. So they need to know what's happening with them. And that's where, you know, maybe that's a good lead in to talk about the control technology, the PLCs. There's more and more intelligence built in. I mean, the PLC has always been the brains of the machine, but it's it's hailed as this real-time deterministic control. And that's great. And it's probably just controlling like one aspect or a couple aspects. Well, now, because the PLC is becoming more powerful, the processing power is doubling every two years because of Moore's Law. And they've got multi-core CPUs, so there's parallel processing going on in there. Well, now that processor is doing more than just controlling one mechanism in the machine or, or something, but it's also controlling the vision systems, um, robotics, you know, many different other aspects of the, of the system. So it's a more holistic experience, a multitasking machine. And these PLC technology suppliers are now putting artificial intelligence in there. So it can sense when something's going wrong. And instead of just shutting down the machine, maybe it, it creates a new path for something, or maybe it slows it down and then it alerts the operator. So really cool stuff going on that could impact the way machines are built and run. And this is, again, just asking off your experience. Do you see this as something that that happened earlier in some of the, when you were dealing with automation world, like some of the industrial things you were dealing with, did you see it happening earlier there than it started to make its way into packaging and processing? Or are they sort of in step with each other? This is just more out of my own curiosity. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I mean, we're in an industry that is not a quick moving industry, whether you're talking about manufacturing or packaging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why I was curious, one fed off the other, or if they're both kind of legal in terms of how they move. Yeah, I mean, it's always been there. It's It's about adoption. You know, really, it's just about a necessity. You know, once you need it, then you're going to be more willing to adopt it. But the technology has been there. But, you know, it every year, I mean, there's exponential growth in the capabilities, the software, the, the computing power, the cloud is another thing that people were so afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Like you said, it's the industry we're in and you'll, you'll hear about like people getting all excited about robotics and then realize that automotive doing it for, you know, decades and mm-hmm. why would it take so long to come into something like this? And obviously with food and things like that, it might be a little bit different, but there's other ways where it could have been integrated sooner. And it's just, you know, it just, well, so let, let's look at what's going on in packaging, right? Okay, so you've got like e-commerce and you've got sustainability and recycling and you've got to have mass customization and you have all these things in packaging that are driving the way the machine works. So, you know, that's what's going to drive the innovation, really. 
you know, it's the necessity in the, in the industry and what the end consumer wants. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the recycling, I mean, a lot of these OEMs, you know, when we think about sustainability, we think about packaging. So a lot of these OEMs are doing plant-based films and stuff like that to sort of work into that packaging sustainability element. Stuff like that is just, you know, this is innovation behind the scenes. And that's what I think about with OEMs. Hmm. It's the innovation behind the scenes that's driving what's happening in packaging. That's driving what's happening in processing. You know, it's it's really eye opening. So I guess, you know, we've hit a bunch of different things, kind of went all over the place in a good way to, to kind of touch on some things that are happening. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on what OEMs need to be thinking about in addition to the things we talked about kind of moving forward for the near future? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched upon some of them, but the point I really want to drive home is this focus on technology innovation that specifically relates to services. Um, You know, the investment in remote access technology and in analytics for predictive maintenance, investment in augmented reality for training and delivering more products as a service. So that's one. I think the other thing is like get involved with industry initiatives. You know, we keep talking about remote access. There's an organization, OMAC, Mm -hmm. that is, you know, trying to come up with some best practices for remote monitoring services. So if you're involved with, you know, creating those best practices, then you're going to be ahead of the curve. So get involved with organizations like that. And I guess lastly, start to think differently, like a service provider or a system integrator, not a machine builder. Um, machines should be multi-touch. So you need and to do that. You need to create new partnerships. You need to offer new services. You need to invest in new technologies, be it for sustainability or to work remotely. But just position yourself for the future. And um, I think I said it before, but be the Tesla of the machine building business. I like it. I like it a lot. That's a great thing to end on there. Um, Thanks again, Steph, for finding time. I know you're very busy. You guys have an issue coming out. So I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to uh, come on here and talk with us for a little bit. No problem. Thanks, Sean. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To do that, go to the iTunes podcast or Spotify app on your phone and search for Unpacked with PMMI.